If you have enjoyed Baker Street 2033, why not consider supporting the second series? Go to ko-fi.com slash neilfitzgerald. That's ko-fi.com slash neilfitzgerald. Your support would be most welcome. A future Sherlock Holmes mystery. The Glass Cryptographer by Neil Fitzgerald. Episode 5 Browsing the Newosphere. And so a few days passed in this way, with us pretending to be who we actually were for a never-ending stream of visitors to the Sherlock Holmes Museum. We learnt much about ourselves in this way through several automaton guides. I heard my own writings recited and, much to my chagrin, found them being attributed to one Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Who this man was and how he had managed to persuade the masses that my chronicles were actually his chronicles was, for now, a most exasperating mystery. Meanwhile, Holmes tried to come to terms with a new world. He thoroughly examined the occult tablet he had discovered in the pocket of a laboratory coat at Anima Imprint. He showed me a list of illuminated hieroglyphics and, retrieving his magnifying glass, attempted to read them. A white envelope, unopened. A sun half eclipsed by a cumulonimbus cloud. A receding series of machine cogs, a capitalized W, a fox curled around a blue orb, a compass whose red and white needle either pointed north-northeast or south-southwest, two quavers beamed together, an open book revealing two blank pages, and the sort of speech balloon found in children's comics and political cartoons. The meaning of this message seemed utterly unfathomable. Was it perhaps a cryptogram in need of decipherment? I was in the process of deliberating on possible ciphers when my fingertips chanced to brush against the glass, bringing about a profound change to the illumination. Watson, are you familiar with the French philosopher and Jesuit priest Pierre Teilhard de Chardin? I am not, I answered. He postulated the notion of a newer sphere, a sphere of human thought in which each consciousness is interconnected to one another. It appears that his prediction was correct, for this arcane apparatus has the most immediate access to all human wisdom, data and discourse, a planetary web of knowledge and utterance that exists everywhere and nowhere. I can search for a topic and have all manner of academic authorities explain it to me, from Syracuse to the Sorbonne. You will remember how we used to catalogue all the papers related to our cases, Watson, and I am not referring here to your highly elaborated stories. I bridled at this. Come, Watson, I have often said a golden opportunity was lost to have a series of scientific case studies of my analytical method. I protested, but to no avail. Holmes had already moved on in the conversation. These newfangled computing machines he continued, holding up the glass and metal tablet as one might an exhibit in a courtroom, are capable of storing vast quantities of information, equivalent to a dozen copies of a complete set of the Encyclopaedia Britannica. 
Only it is a living encyclopedia, forever being updated. Here are facts and data on a scale unimaginable in our time, Watson. And all these machines are linked through a global network of wires and some sort of electrical connection in the ether. I dare say it all functions in much the same way as telegrams and telephones. An extraordinary contraption, I exclaimed, as he rotated the device in one hand. Through it, I have discovered that information pertaining to the identity of each citizen is catalogued within these databases, such as blood groups, addresses, and so forth. It is this which had so puzzled Inspector Chatterjee, for I appeared on none of them. Of course, it takes all the sleuthing out of detective work and raises startling questions regarding what passes for civil liberty in this day and age, though I am sure my brother Mycroft quite approves. Perhaps this device could help us explain how we come to be here, Holmes, I said. Perhaps. His researches continued the following day, but were brought to a sudden halt by an incident that afternoon that was to break our new routine. A strikingly beautiful female visitor to the museum evaded security and slipped under the cordon to request a consultation with Mr. Sherlock Holmes. At first she seemed startled to be in the presence of the great consulting detective, but then introduced herself as a Miss Amelia Rouche. Mrs. Hudson whirled in and proposed afternoon tea. Holmes assented and was soon pressing the tips of his long slender fingers together under his hawk-like nose as he listened to her story. All the while the constant stream of visitors stared at the spectacle from behind the roped cordon. Now, tell me everything, Miss Rouche. Omit no detail, but pray do so at a volume that will go unheeded by this intrusive audience, said Holmes, gesturing to the craning necks and bell-jar fizzogs of the amassed gallery. It's my husband, Mr. Holmes. He's, he's not been himself this past week. I can't explain it, but I fear something terrible has happened to him, and he refuses to divulge it to me. Now really, Miss Rouche, you will need to be more specific. Your husband is a mechanical engineer, is he not? I could see that my friend expected this observation to have a profound impact on his interlocutor. No, she said. Alan's a software engineer. Holmes privately winced at this error, but attempted to fathom how it had occurred. But you are wearing his coat. Yes, I am. She smiled, recognising a display of Holmes' famed observational prowess. I left the house in a rush this morning. How did you... Aha! He smiled, convinced his powers were returning. And the oil on the sleeve? Oh, that? She looked at it. Hand moisturiser, Mr. Holmes. It squirted out of the tube rather haphazardly this morning. A look of dejection momentarily visited the brow of my friend. In an attempt to brush past this error, through sheer momentum, he brought his fingertips together under his nose and asked Miss Rouge to explain what it was her husband's work entailed. He works on AI for a small company called The Self Service. AI? I asked. Artificial intelligence, she replied. Selves, Watson, Holmes interpolated. The automata we find ourselves surrounded by... It is entirely deducible from the company's name, said Holmes. Pray, proceed, Miss Rouge. The company was set up five years ago and has made several major advances in the field, 
Although what these are, he is not at liberty to discuss due to a raft of non-disclosure agreements he has had to sign. Who set up the company, and how many people does it employ? A man who is known by his username, Abel5181. Alan has never met him in person. He works remotely from some unknown location. The two other people in the lab are also software engineers. A Spanish man called Raúl Caballeros and a British woman, Daisy Moorcroft. Caballeros is the lead engineer. As I said, it's a tiny outfit, just a single office really, in Soho Skyliner. A week ago today, Alan came home not at all like himself. We live on a ground floor apartment in Maida Vale. He was clumsy, absent-minded. He couldn't remember where things were and kept getting names muddled up, even my own. It was upsetting and like he was suffering some sort of memory loss. I asked him if he'd bumped his head at work, but he said he hadn't. Over the next few days he seemed to improve, though he was by no means back to normal. Then, yesterday... You have missed something out, Miss Rouge. What is it? Any detail may be of the utmost importance in a case such as this, pressed Holmes. Miss Rouge blushed. You are quite correct. I should have known better than to try and conceal things from you, Mr. Holmes. I am sorry, but, well, I was embarrassed. Holmes raised his hand to dismiss any such embarrassment, and Miss Rouge, collecting herself, continued with her story. My next thought was that something had gone wrong with the chip. Alan had been chipped, you see, two years ago. A simple bioelectronic augmentation to boost IQ. It's quite common now. It was for his work, you see. Caballeros was leaving, whether he was fired or resigned, I'm not sure. But Alan wanted to apply to replace him as lead engineer, and, well, he felt his natural abilities would hold him back. Note that down, Watson. As I was saying, the thought of not getting the promotion had been getting him down. Even after the chip was installed, he seemed increasingly desperate, staying late at work, or so he said. Well, I got to supposing it could have been playing up. You know, the chip. Gone on the fritz. You hear stories of it happening. Magnets, pulses, and I don't know what else being used to disrupt the chips. Saboteurs, the mail says, wiping the data clean off. The anti-transhumanist brigade. Then there are the ones who hack in and try to steal secrets. I was going to suggest he go see the chipper, but then yesterday... Well, yesterday he didn't come home. He went off to work as normal. Well, normal. He was supposed to be home by six, as we had planned to go out for dinner. I spent the night fretting, and then I remembered that I'd heard you were back in business, so... Heard? How? An advert on my glasses, and she held up a pair of thin, transparent spectacles which had been resting in her lap. They were identical to those Holmes and I had encountered on many of the visitors to the museum. Holmes looked across at me with bemused puzzlement, then indicated for his client to proceed anyway. Anyway, so I thought, well, it's just the sort of thing you are always solving, so here I am. She looked down in her lap and fretted with her glasses as tears trickled down her cheeks. Holmes sprang up from his armchair. Thank you, Miss Rouge. I believe we should accompany you back to your house. There may be clues to the whereabouts of your husband that you may have overlooked. Of course, Mr. Holmes. 
One more thing. Those glasses. I should very much like to borrow and examine them, if I may. By all means, if you think it may help, she said, handing them across to him. He held them up and looked through them. I'll need to unlock it for you, she said. Oh, I dare say I can work out the combination, said Holmes casually. But the ages of yourself and your husband, I'd wager, in sequential order. Actually, Mr. Holmes, the glasses use a DNA sample based on respiratory moisture. I just need to breathe on them like so. And she gasped out a puff of breath on the front of the glasses. Done. Holmes looked startled as another of his deductions fell flat in this freshly minted world. We stood up to leave and led our new client out a fire exit in order to avoid the crowds and evade security. Well, Holmes, what do you make of it? I have some theories, but until we have more facts, all hypothesis is quite useless, Watson. Soon our triumvirate was on its way in one of those newfangled automatic hackney carriages to Miss Roosh's apartment in Maida Vale. Sherlock Holmes will return in Episode 6, Another Scarlet Thread. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you might like to try others by the same writer and producer, such as Dear Old Blood, Notes on a Wittgenstein Noir, and Modern Gothic. The writer now has a cracking idea for a second series of Baker Street 2033. So, you could also consider supporting the writer at buymeacoffee.com slash Neil Fitzgerald.